Father, thank you so much that you are here this morning. You don't even need to wait for an invitation to be here. God, you rejoice in the presence of your people. Thank you, Father, that we can sit at your feet as your children and rejoice in you, Father. Thank you that you take our fears as we allow you to. So, God, we release them this morning. Father, any of the burdens, any of the sorrows, the anxieties, the fears that we carry, God, right now, we're saying they're yours. Thank you for taking them from us, God, and replacing it with that peace and that joy and that love that you have. Father, we love you in Jesus' name. Well, you can go ahead and be seated. It is great to see you this morning. It's great to be here. Good morning. Well, we, uh, we have begun this series called Enough. And uh, Pastor Ron has spoken the last several weeks about this concept. We're, we're looking at just a few verses each week out of Philippians chapter 4. And this concept of enough, which is really in front of us, that there is a feeling in the world, but even amongst those that are followers of Jesus, that, that when I get that, then I'll have enough. When I get there, then that will be enough. I'm not quite there. I don't quite have enough yet, but there's, that elusive enough is just around the corner. And it's spiritual, it's physical, it's circumstantial. It's all right there. And yet somehow then that's prompted by this feeling that I don't have enough right now. You know, my relationships, my finances, my world, my inner spirituality. It's not, it's not quite where it should be. It's not quite enough, and so I'm looking for that. And, and so because of that feeling of I don't have enough, then I don't experience the joy or the peace that God has for us. That's been the last couple of weeks that we've seen in Philippians chapter 4. And, and, uh, and it leads us to thoughts and attitudes of, frankly, pessimism. And that's kind of what we're going to take a look at today, this idea of our thoughts going negative. And pretty soon, though, it's our thoughts that start stealing our joy, and it's our thoughts that create and sustain our anxiety. So as I took a look at our couple of verses today that we're going to unpack, I thought, you know, these aren't really standalone things, this, this choosing joy over happiness, this choosing peace over anxiety. And today, uh, kind of oversimplifying it, calling it choosing optimism over pessimism, these aren't three separate things. They're really all wrapped together. Because as I don't experience joy because I don't have enough and I don't experience peace, what does it do to my thinking? Right? Starts going really negative, and pretty soon our negative, negative thinking and, and, and the pessimism of our thinking starts robbing some of that joy and some of that peace, and it starts going into a cyclical thing. It's a cycle that's pretty negative. At last week, we talked about the fact that anxiety is, is flat out sin, not just a, 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 an, an unwelcome thing. So our theme verse for this series is found at the end of, pa- of this passage in Philippians 4. It's verse 11, and it flies in the face of our feeling that we never have quite enough. Uh, th- this is written by the Apostle Paul. He's under house arrest, as Pastor Ron has explained the last couple of weeks. But he's under house arrest when he shares, uh, for sharing his faith, frankly, when he writes these words. It says, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I've learned to be content. Paul's saying, I have enough. Yeah, I'm in jail. I'm under house arrest. I've learned what it means to be content. And Ron's going to take that a little bit further next week. But I think if Paul can be content in all situations, then maybe there's a chance for us, <laughs> right? Is there a little bit of an opportunity here for us? Today we're talking about the idea of choosing optimism over pessimism. And we're really going to be looking at our individual thoughts and our thought patterns that develop to see how God might want to have a better hold on them. 
So I want to start by asking you this, this little participation here in the process. How much time do you spend thinking negative thoughts? I don't know. I never really thought about it. No, you really do think about it, the negative thoughts. Now, what, and I want to clarify by negative thinking. I don't just mean like mm, down dirty, although it can go there. But negative thinking. How about negative think- thoughts about the future? Okay, so that, let's expand that a little bit. The world, the economy, politics, future elections, the weather, our eroding culture, whatever you read in the newspaper every single day or that you see online. Negative thoughts come from that a little bit, a lot. Kind of your favorite discussion. I'm a member of Club Sierra that just closed (laughs) rather abruptly. And I know that in there in the process of of in the locker room changing it ready for work or afterwards, the guys that are in the locker room, almost always the talk is, you know, the world is going to a place in a handbasket, right? You know, just how negative things are. It's just kind of that popular topic. We kind of go there. What about you? How about negative thoughts about others, other people? Specific other people or people in general, right? How they drive, but, but specifically other people just came to mind. Blame, anger, bitterness, envy, even disgust that can come up. Do we think negative thoughts about other people in general or specific people? How about negative thoughts about yourself? Self-pity, guilt, shame, regret, telling yourself you're not good enough. Maybe even negative thoughts about God. You know, God, if, 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 if you dare to have negative thoughts about God. And by the way, go ahead and have those thoughts. God loves you no matter what you think. How many minutes every day, every week, every hour do you spend with negative thinking, with thoughts you would say are not positive and optimistic? Is it kind of a lot? Maybe you've not really thought about it, but when you do, when I start just throwing some of these things out, um, you start going, yeah, I kind of I go there pretty easy. Now, some of you may quick to say, and I've bumped into people like this, you know, I'm not a pessimist, I'm just a realist, <laughs> right? Usually said by someone with a little bit of a frown who's pounding their fist, I'm a realist, you know, with that look on their face. <laughs> but do you like thinking about like that, Mr. or Miss Realist? Do you like, does it get you anywhere, or is it like the anxiety and worry that Ron spoke about last week, where it doesn't change things, it just brings you down and everybody else? I never really thought about that either. Well, here we go. Here we go. I believe God wants to help us today in this whole area of our thinking. And I think we haven't thought about this much. I really think we haven't thought about this much. God wants to transform our minds, our thoughts, so that we do have a real positive, a healthy, and uplifting, and encouraging thought life. And I'm not saying that I'm not going to be a proponent of just power of positive thinking today. No, it's not that. God has way more than that. And yet there is the power of God that's revealed in our minds when we learn and understand that God has positive things for us. And and, and this is important because our thoughts are big-time control agents. They are big-time control agents. They're not just random thoughts. We're going to see that in a few minutes. Well, I want to read the two verses from Philippians chapter 4. If you have your Bible, you can open there. That verse from four, that Philippians 4, uh, verse 11, about Paul saying, I'll be content in all things I have found to be content. We're going to look just before that at verses 8 and 9. Just two verses this morning, Philippians 4, 8 and 9. I want to read those, kind of set the table for where we're headed today. And it says this. It's on the screen. If you have your Bible, you can open it. It's also in your outline. It says this. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Things that are 
think about things that are excellent and praiseworthy and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Now, these are great verses, and so today I want to dive in. You can grab your outline and follow along and take some notes. I actually even put a little space up there if you wanted to when I said, how often do you find yourself thinking negative thoughts, right? You might even want to make a note too much, (laughs) you know, make a note of this or something. But again, if you want to follow along your outline and take some notes, you're welcome to do that as well. We're going to take a look at um, how God can lead me to an attitude of optimism. And I I want to say this, I, I could think of no short way to word it that really was as weighty as it is, because that almost just sounds like, God can give me an optimistic outlook on life. It's, it's, it's way more than that. I, I, so understand that these words really maybe don't do justice to where God wants to take us today. That was the wording that we came up with, but here we are. How God can, God can lead me to this attitude and this thought life that's way more than the negativity that just permeates us. Number one, understand that it starts with God, not me. Understand that it starts with God, not me. So this is where I have to start, because even though this verse doesn't start here, the whole Bible starts here, right? In the beginning, God, right? And Because on my own, I turn to the oh, woe is me card every time. Now, God has transformed my life. I see that my parents are here this morning for a service, as they usually are. And they would know, when I was younger, I tell people this, and they go, really? I said, I was, I was kind of often a gloomy Eeyore kind of guy. <laughs> Stuck again. You know, just that was kind of me. I went through ups and downs and had some huge... And, and, and yet I don't find myself going there much anymore. You can ask my parents, is that true? Yeah. And, but I don't find myself going there a whole lot anymore, because God has... God has done something in me, and and it's not that I never battled with that, but he's transformed my outlook, and he's transformed my thoughts over the years, so God can do that to us, and and I celebrate that, but I tell you, I still can go to the, oh, woe is me card every time. Case in point, middle of this week, actually before this, my son had a gymnastics uh, that he went to the state meet in San Luis Obispo this weekend cool, yay, good for Andrew, let's take the family and go down there and make a three, four, five day weekend out of it, oops, I'm speaking, I don't mean oops, I love to speak, but I'm, I'm scheduled to speak this week, and I wonder if we can switch with someone, no one was able to switch, <laughs> so my wife took Andrew and one of our other sons to San Luis Obispo, and I stayed with our other three kids, and I've had a great time, but strike one, Then I started thinking about this morning. Ah, this is awesome. I love these verses, especially 4.8. I love this verse. It's daylight savings time. We're going to lose an hour. No one's going to be here. (laughs) It's the women's retreat. We have more than 100 women from Twin Cities Church down in Folsom right now this morning. No one's going to be here. Because those 100 plus women aren't going to be here. And their husbands certainly aren't going to be here this morning. (laughs) Negative thinking. And it's raining outside again. As much as Ron likes that, no one is going to be here. Thank you. Because this starts with God, not me. In the midst of me even saying, God has changed me from Eeyore into someone who rarely goes there. How quickly I go into, "Mm, mm, mm," and then go, wait a second, you're here. 
one person here. God is here. This is amazing. So I just got to say, I don't know if it's true for you, but for me, I go there too, all too quickly. So God, this has got to start and middle and end with you. Teach me, take me as I submit to you in the process. This is so true. It is so true. On my own, I go there. And here's the thing, because we could say we're going to overcome pessimism with optimism, you know, and just do it. You know, oh, I'm going to do it today. You can't force yourself to think positive in difficult times. <laughs> you just can't, you know. You can fake it, but it will take God himself to transform your thoughts. Back in 1993, I had some really crazy things happen to my body. I've talked about this before. I'll keep it really short, but I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis at that time. And um, it was borderline devastating to me as I realized that my life might be very different than I thought it was going to be in any number of ways. I wasn't married at the time. I thought maybe no wife and kids. <laughs> That's changed. Um, my health, I was very active and healthy. I thought I may not be able to... Again, that's changed. But at the time, it was devastating to me. And I'll tell you, I had some well-meaning... I was a youth pastor in Southern California. I had some well-meaning friends come up to me and spend time with me and say really helpful things like, John, it's really important that you, that you think optimistic thoughts. And they were Christians and... You just, you need, if you could stay, all the studies say, and everybody, I've found it to be true, just need to think positive about this. It'll be so helpful. How helpful was that to me? I wanted to grab them by the shirt and punch them. <laughs> oh, John, you have multiple sclerosis. You could be in a wheelchair in a couple of years. Who knows what your life's going to be like, but think positive. It'll be so good. Shut up. I mean, I'd never say that. I'd smile and say, thank you, I need to go now. In the midst of my saying, I don't know what life is going to be like. I don't want to hear that. I can't make myself, I'm just going to think positive. Oh, goody, it didn't happen like that. This starts, I understand that it starts with God, not me. And the process of that has been my just submitting to God, saying, God, this is your body. (laughs) I'm yours, heart, soul, body, mind, the whole bit. So if this is what you want, then great, off we go. And, uh, and, and God has done a great work there. But I want to share that, that, you know, on your own, just coming out of here going, I'm going to try harder to think better. It isn't going to happen. God, I need something from you to transform my way of thinking. Well, secondly, it starts with God, but to let God lead you to an attitude of op- optimism. Number two, I like this. Don't just think. Think about your thinking. Don't just think. Think about your thinking. And this is what kind of tickled me. Because what, you determ- because what you think determines what you do. And I say this tickled me this week because I, I think most of us just think and we don't think about our thinking. Uh, we just, well, of course I don't. I just, I, to think about our thinking sounds just kind of weird. But this is the idea of just being aware that this is important and that you have a choice. You have a choice. Know that your thinking determines your behavior. It starts here. So so if you care about how you live your life, you should start thinking about what precedes your actions, and that's your thoughts. So think about your thinking. Let me say that I, and I don't, let me say that I had $10,000 to give to you since you're here this morning. $10,000, and you have to spend it in the next 24 hours. Use it wisely, but you have to spend it in the next 24 hours or it's gone. Would you think about it at all? Some of you go, pay a bill, done. But some, okay, let me think. Get together with my family, husband, wife, whatever. Think that you'd give some thought to that, wouldn't you? Gosh, this is a great gift. Thank you, Lord. How should I use this most wisely? The studies I looked into said that you have about 10,000 individual separate thoughts every day. 
Do you plan or think about them at all? Or do they just happen? I think for many of us, they just kind of happen. And yet really our thought life is a gift from God. And God says, would you think about thinking? In the same way you'd think about a gift that came in that's, that's kind of short-lived, 10,000, here it is, then it's gone. But, but these are daily thoughts. Can you think about your thinking? Realize that your thoughts don't just happen. You have control of them, at least to some extent, if not a large extent. So, so I just want to start this off by saying, maybe you've never done this. We can start by thinking, to think about our thinking. Okay? I'm taking little baby steps. Here, the next one. Third, to let God lead you in an attitude of optimism. It starts with God. I'm going to think about my thinking. Number three, monitor what goes into your mind. Monitor what goes into your mind. The idea here is simply we want to evaluate it and be aware what's going in. I just want to be aware what's going into my mind. Well, John, I can't help it. Some of it you can't. Some of it you can't help. We're just barraged by, you know, the life that we live, the world we live in. But a lot of it we do. Your entertainment you largely choose. Your news media or news exposure, whatever, however that happens, whether it's radio or print or online or just listening to other people in the locker room talking about things. Your news media, your friends, your friends have commentary on all sorts of things and just people that you listen to all the way around. You see, there's that concept that's true amongst computer people, but it's very true in life. The G-I-G-O concept, garbage in, garbage out, right? You put in, you put in bad information into a computer. Why doesn't my computer work? Well, you put junk in. <laughs> you didn't put the right stuff in and it gave you wrong answers, right? You do a math problem. My kids, math test this last week, one of my kids, and it's one who's very good in math, but copied a problem down wrong. Dad, why did I get this one wrong? Well, you, you, the numbers you started with, remember the 327, you wrote 326. Of course you got the wrong answer, even though you did the math right. Garbage in, garbage out is that concept Whatever you put in is what you get out, and it's true of our minds as well. Now, some garbage smells worse than others, right? But it's still garbage. We had a bear. We're up on Banner Mountain. We had a bear get into our trash can on garbage morning this last week in the rain. I got to pick it up. <laughs> Did not smell good. Did not. was not a pleasant thought. Some garbage smells worse than others, but it's all garbage. And I had a thought. We sometimes compromise, even as a follower of Jesus, we compromise our values with our, uh, with our exposure, maybe especially in our entertainment, you know? The things to watch, the things we listen to, the things that we read, uh, the things that just come at us. And I think our compromise is this. It's not that bad. Oh, I hear that all the time, and I battle that myself. Do you hear that, or do you say that? It's not so bad. It's not the bad. It's certainly not as bad as that. And I have freedom in Christ anyway. Oh, you do. Including the choice to take captive every thought. Right? Why are we measuring things on the badness scale? It's not that bad. Here's ground zero. It's not that bad. It's not like it's like this bad. It's just, it's, you know. Wouldn't it be better to measure things on the goodness scale above ground? How good can this be? And that leads us right to the next point, number four. Choose and change your mind's diet. Not only monitor it. So he said, think about your thinking. Starts with God. Think about your thinking. Think, and, and then monitor it. And then understand that you can choose and change your mind's diet because you chew on what you put in. <laughs> what you put in is what you're going to dwell on. And so if we want to think optimistic, God-pleasing thoughts, we have to be sure that we're feeding our minds optimistic, positive things. 
And I don't mean blindly optimistic, things are going to work out great, everything's wonderful. It's not. But God is good. God loves me unconditionally, way more than I deserve. And on and on it goes, right? And you can choose this. Please don't think that you're a victim and that you can't help yourself. John, I'm just exposed to all sorts of things. No, we expose ourselves to all sorts of things. And we put into our minds all sorts of things. Now, this is your mind, (laughs) okay? Some of you are going, that's big. (laughs) Some of you are going, it's full of holes. (laughs) But in any case, for our purposes this morning, this is our minds, okay? And, And we tend to put things into our minds where we can't help some of it. We're just in a world where, and the red is gonna be, Let's call these darker negative thoughts, okay? Red kind of, okay, so, so some things go in there. And, and so the reality is that we, we listen to the news and, we, and we're around people that saying negative things and we, and we just were exposed to stuff. And then, yeah, occasionally we watch something we shouldn't and then occasionally we allow ourselves some self-doubt and we fear and, we, and the things start happening and pretty soon, what are we thinking about in here, right? What are you thinking about? Only these, only these negative things, and it can keep happening, it can keep happening, it can keep happening, and keep happening, and pretty soon our mind is full of all this stuff. And occasionally we read the Bible. And occasionally we go to church and we, we watch her, we, you know, hey, I listen to K-Love, John. Awesome, listen to K-Love or Fish or, or uh, Air One or whatever else like that. Those are great. But still, what is your mind thinking about? What are, you, what are you dwelling on? One of the translations says, let your mind dwell on these things. I, lot, I like that thought because it's what we chew on. It's not just a thought goes in and it's gone. It's there. And so what went into your mind? And, and all of a sudden, we start finding ourselves going, more often than not, I'm thinking, I'm ne- thinking negative thoughts. And, and then I think negatively and more go in there. And yes, but what are you putting in? Right? Guys, I have something else for you. And of course, this passage talks about what it is. And, and, you know, we can put in a few more positive things, but still we battle with this. And God says, you need to, the other thing is we don't erase things in our mind. So this doesn't happen quickly, but we need to stop putting in the negative things and cut down on that. We start need to put in positive things and positive enforcement and encouraging things and wonderful things. And that's through music and our media and it's through, and it's all this stuff. And, and, you know, we can't totally remove all the, the, the junk of the world that we're exposed to. But what's your mind going to be thinking about now, right? We're, we're, this is our thinking process, not just thinking, planning, but just our thoughts. And you're, you lie in bed, what do you think about? You're driving in the car and the radio's on or not and what you think about and your exposure to someone else. And, and, and when someone does cut you off when you're driving, where do your thoughts go? He's one of them! God, I wonder if he's having a bad day. She's texting again. Oh, evil person, I'm calling the cops. God, I pray that that person gets some wisdom and that they don't cause, cause an accident, Lord. You know, give them grace. Did you get it? it this stuff doesn't just go away. I'm taking it out really easy. They go in really easily. It doesn't come out easily. It's going to take time. But we need to start saying, I choose what goes in there. I choose what goes in there. And, 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 and then that's what's in my mind. We can choose. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says, we take captive every thought to make it obedience to Christ. It doesn't just happen or not. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You have to choose what you put in your mind so you can chew on those things. That was a point we made there. The choose so we can chew because that's what we're going to get to live with. 
Now, Philippians 4.8 leads us in this area, and it has this list of eight things. Philippians 4.8 has eight, eight things that it talks about here to put in and dwell on these things. It says, finally, brothers, in the version that I translated, I'll just do that one because it's off the top of my head. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, and it starts with true. So what is true? True is, a, true is absolutely a positive yellow ball that's going to go in that I can then deal with. What is true? Well, we, This is a huge foundation here. I believe it starts intentionally with true. You see, God is the only absolute source of absolute truth as he is truth himself and uh, at, and the bible is an unchanging source of truth for us now unfor- unfortunately satan has a huge hold on our world god has allowed that for a season and since the devil is called a liar and the father of lies he's doing everything he can to devalue the idea of truth our culture has fallen for Satan's deceit that maybe, maybe there is no truth or truth is kind of relative. And, or maybe if there's truth, we value the idea of tolerance of other people and ideas more than truth itself. That may not be true, but we just need to love everybody. Absolutely love everybody, but don't call untruth truth. Right? God says, your mind needs to be filled with real truth, not deception of this world. And, and you have to look to put truth in your mind. And it is through things like, thank you for being here this morning or at the women's retreat, church and Bible reading and study and careful other reading and exposure and praise and worship music, things like that. These are the yellow balls that will go in there, truth and exposure to God's truth so that you can think about truth, dwell and chew on truth and not the lies of this world or the lies of Satan or our culture. And so I'd ask you, how much truth do you put in your mind on a daily, weekly, monthly basis? I didn't say hourly, did I? Because so often it's like, well, truth, it's just kind of out there. I know truth. We need to be putting truth in. How much truth do you put in your mind every day? And what untruth inputs do you need to shut off in your life? Secondly, it says, whatever is honorable. One's translation says noble. Honorable means worthy of reverence or respect. That which is majestic or awe-inspiring. I love that. Wow. And this is the opposite of trivial and frivolous, kind of two funky words, trivial and frivolous. And some would call even this concept noble seriousness. Now, this really points us to thinking on things that matter, things that matter, and that our focus should be on significant, serious things. Now, I know, you know, you may say, wait a second, does that mean we can't have fun and enjoy humor? I think you know better than that, right? We spent some time laughing together even here today. It's not that we can't have fun and enjoy humor, but do our thoughts reflect the fact that we live in light of eternity, that life is uncertain, and that heaven and hell are real? Or do we just kind of live in the moment with just kind of the frivolous, trivial things that are around us? I would say if you find yourself thinking too much about video games or silly lightweight novels or other trivial things, things that you maybe inundate yourself with so that that's where your mind goes. Too many, uh, too many of these red dark balls are going into your mind, right? Just your time and exposure. And they might not be horrible, nasty, bad things, but are they the true and the honorable, noble things? Third, it says, right, whatever is right, think about these things. And since only God is righteous, this really means to think in conformity to God's standards. Not is it right in your eyes, but is it right? Is it right in God's eyes? And to think this way, we need to think on the holy nature of God. Uh, Fourth, it says pure. (laughs) Whatever is pure, think about these things. And this one's pretty obvious, and it's huge for us today in a world that is very unpure. Isn't it? I mean, that's just kind of our world today. Pure means undefiled, clean, and holy. And, and you can't dwell on purity if we fill our minds with impurity, right? 
And I don't mean, well, at least it's not as bad as impurity. And there's an old saying, you know, get your mind out of the gutter. Get your mind out of the gutter. But if you live in the gutter, don't be surprised if your mind is covered with gutter slime. Right? I mean, if that's where you're spending time, at least a fair amount of your time, then, then that's going to be what's in your mind that's right there. Oh, folks, we have to say no to our sexually impure culture and focus on moral purity. And the thing I've discovered, a little compromise of what we put in our minds can lead to a bit more compromise and a bit more and a bit more. Now, being a parent, I've seen this, and I've, I've, I've always kind of kept pretty tight. God showed me this a lot of years ago. I became a youth pastor, and God said, time to, time to get a tight gra- you know, grasp and a rein on things here. But you start watching something. You're watching a movie or something, and, and now that my oldest boys are teenagers, and they're staying up later and watching something with me, and something comes on, I'm like, oh, gosh, I, don't, I wish this wasn't on. Do I, I'll find a fast-forward through this because I don't want to expose them to that. And we're not talking really horrible stuff, but just as a dad, you're like, oh, my, you know. Would I have fast-forwarded if my boys weren't there? If it was a red ball for them, why isn't it that for me? Oh, it is. Either I don't care anymore or I'm so jaded and callous to it that it just kind of goes in there. Or bounces on the floor. It matters. And so this little bit of compromise, I'm, oh, well, I wouldn't want him or her to see that. Why? Because they're not old enough to deal with that level of impurity yet? What? What are we doing to ourselves? What are we doing to ourselves? The Bible says to dwell on things that are lovely. And this means what's pleasant, attractive, even those things that grace attracts, that concept of grace. Now, for us guys, I looked at this word lovely, and I thought, this sounds kind of soft. Think about things that are lovely, you know. <laughs> lovely thoughts we're having today, you know. It just kind of doesn't sound too. But, but if we use the terms just flat out beautiful, attractive, ah, yeah, we all get that. And even as guys, we, we get it. And, and we can stop and see if our thoughts do they hover over things that are truly beautiful in God's perspective? Is that where my mind is? I remember years ago when I lived in Southern California, and, and I, I know he's all over the world now, but Jim Rome had an early days of his talk show, and uh, The Jungle. And it was kind of cool and hip, and some of you are familiar with it. And, man, he's a guy who's become super popular, super wealthy, and he just lives on sarcasm and negativity. And he's sharp, and he knows sports. It's sports talk. And I remember listening to Jim Rome, and it was kind of cool and fun, and people calling in and getting bagged on or ragging on each other and stuff. And, and then finally I just realized I started getting myself a little more negative and a little bit more sarcastic in, in my own life. I exposed myself to too much as I'm driving around. It was kind of fun, and I'm going to get some of these takes, some of his takes, you know. I finally just had to say, for me, no more Jim Rome. It wasn't the worst thing, but it wasn't lovely. It wasn't leading my thoughts to lovely and admirable things. What, John, I can't listen to sports talk radio? That's not what I said. I did, took a look at myself and said, when God says whatever is true and noble, right, and pure and lovely and admirable, this isn't where this is leading my mind. I need to change this. Because I want to be thinking the kinds of thoughts that please God and lead me in a good direction. 
admirable is the next one, and I like that, admirable thoughts, thoughts that, thoughts that you are glad you're thinking when you reflect on the day, and, and thoughts, thoughts you dwelled on, are, are, you, are you pleased with that? Can, can you, in a sense, admire where you placed your thought life? You can look back on your day and go, oh, yeah, that was good, Lord, thank you. Ask yourself this, are my thoughts worthy of contemplation? Are they, are they, are they worth the chewing that happens? They don't just sit there, the, the ruminating, the, the dwelling? Or are they sometimes cheap, negative, and destructive? It's where we're at. It's where we're at. The last two words that come up here in this verse are excellent and praiseworthy. Now, excellent, this, this is referring to moral excellence, but it's not just saying pure again. You know, here's a whole bunch of words that basically we say, God says, think about really good things. Yes, but when you break them down, this is moral excellence. And, and it, it really means the ab, not just the absence of pure impurity, but it's talking about m- biblical moral virtues, things like the Ten Commandments. So let me ask you a question. If you meditated throughout the day and your mind went to things like the Ten Commandments or maybe in an easier, simpler way that we can grab onto, Jesus' commands when he boiled them down and said those first six of the Ten Commandments really are boiled down into love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and strength. Or the first four, excuse me, and the last six he boils down to love your neighbor as yourself. If we, if, we, if we took those on and that's where our mind went and we chewed on that and ruminated and dwelled on those would your thought life be different today and this week? Would your actions be different today and this week then? That's what God's calling us to. And finally, this concept of praiseworthy, this final word's simply stirring us to think about things that God himself would approve of, things that bring praise to God. Now, that, not that every thought that we have has to be about God directly. I mean, all I can think about is God, 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 God. No. But, but praiseworthy, even thoughts about other people that are positive and encouraging, those are praiseworthy. In a sense, praising great things in people brings great praise to God because who created that person, right? So it really isn't just this directly, but it's understanding where do my thoughts go in a way that's going to bring praise to God. So here's this amazing list of eight things that God says we can choose to think about. And that will only happen if... If those are the things we put into our mind, God, I just, I just want to, I just want to, you know, I just want to think about those things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable, excellent and praiseworthy things. And God said, that's awesome, but you can only do that if that's what's in there. So what are you putting in there and, and, and what are you dwelling on? Remember, we can, this point is that we can choose what we put in, so we choose what we chew on then. Well, fifth, to let God lead you to an attitude of optimism. Memorize key Bible verses. Memorize key Bible verses. You know, if you're willing, if you're going to let your mind dwell on these things, the good things, it helps to actually have them in your mind, <laughs> right? How great is it to have a promise from God ready to go when you bump into an obstacle so your mind can, can, can dwell on God saying something like, God's saying, I will never leave you or forsake you when you start to feel desperately alone and to just know, man, God, that's a promise from God. It's in here. That's something great to chew on instead of thoughts and feelings of fear and desperation. So God would call us to say, you can can memorize scripture. You don't have to memorize the whole Bible. Start with a verse. Here's a great verse that I memorized, Psalm 119.11. I don't think it's in your outline. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Oh, it is in there. I memorized a verse about memorizing. 
because I wanted to encourage myself to memorize because when God's word is in my heart, it actually affects my thinking, which actually affects my life. God, I want to do that. I want to hide your word in my heart so that I can, I can be closer to you is really what that turns into. I wanted to encourage myself in that journey. I also memorized Philippians 4.8, the verse that we're going over here. I wanted to be able to chew on the verse that told me that I, what I should be chewing on. And, and so that was a commitment that I made. And maybe you want to start right here, memorizing Philippians 4.8, even today to say this week, that's what I want to grab a hold of. Well, finally, to let God lead you to an attitude of optimism, and this is verse 9. Don't just think about doing this. Do it. Do it. Do it. We find this very important concept again in Philippians 4.9, and he says, after this verse and these verses that Ron covered, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. All you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. You see, in this section of the book of Philippians, Paul has talked about choosing joy over mere momentary happiness. He's talked about choosing peace over anxiety, even in a world that is full of anxiety. And he follows that by today we've seen saying, you have to change your thought patterns, what you let your mind dwell on. You have to change what you put in. And then he follows all of that by saying, aren't these great thoughts? Aren't they great ideas? But if they're just thoughts and ideas and you don't allow God to transform you, you won't change. You'll just smile and go, that's a great idea out there. God says, I don't want an idea out there. I want life change in here. You have to allow God to change you. Otherwise, you won't experience God more completely. You won't discover the peace and joy that he desires for you. Your life won't overflow with the selfless love of Jesus that he has for you. You have to submit to God. Remember where this starts, that very first point? It starts with going, God, I, I, I need a great work in you. I need, I need the desire and the direction to start getting rid of the negative influences and putting in the things that are true and noble and right. God, I, I need you. Your commitment is, God, I want this, and I'm going to start thinking about my thinking, monitoring, choosing, chewing, Bible memorization. God, have your way with me. I want to allow you to remake and renew my mind. And let's pray together this morning. Father, I just want to follow that up with, I just said that, a proposal of how we might think. So we're, we're thinking that and we're saying that this morning. God, choose, uh, change us. God, we need you. Uh, otherwise, we walk out of here with a conviction that we're going to try harder to think positive thoughts. And, and Lord, we're just doomed to failure. God, so it starts with you. Convict us in a gentle way, pull us back to you, and help us see that our thoughts aren't passive, that we choose what goes in. We need your help with that, God, so that we then have an opportunity to let our minds dwell on the things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable, the things that are excellent and praiseworthy. God, we want to submit to you and receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen.